0: So invites will be here next week, but please just start telling people. On Easter Sunday, we're going to do the Easter egg hunt in the park in the afternoon, 3 till 5. That's another really easy thing to invite people to. So Ben and Charlotte are going to hide double the amount of eggs this year. And I mean, it's just going to be immense. So or something. Uh, Kids, if you've got them, but I've got to be honest, if I didn't have kids, I'd still go. There is a lot of chocolate to be had if you want it. Three to five, easy to invite people to. We meet at Towngate, roughly around where the Toby Carvery is, and then we just find eggs. And then afterwards, go for a little walk to walk off our Easter bulge. So, that's it. If you're a child here this morning... And you would like to go out and have some fun with Ben. Take your parents. Um, and preferably we'd like the guys going out there and serving the girls. So don't be surprised if you try and sneak out there and you're a woman if Ben just throws you back out again. So um, kids, go and have an amazing time. Make some lovely cards. Levi, I would like a beautiful one, please. No pressure. No pressure. Okay, am I on? Maybe. No. La la la. <laughs> am I coming out? Yes. Oh. Okay, you should have some notes on your chairs. Um, these are for you to doodle on, write on, do some origami with, whatever helps you listen to me. My name's Melanie, if we haven't met already. I'm married to Stu, who leads the church here. We both moved here a few years ago to start this church. Um, I'm a mummy. Uh, I've got two little boys, uh, Levi, who's three, and Asher, who's one. Um, I lead the kids' work here, do a bit of preaching, sometimes, you know, give the floor a quick wipe. I do whatever to help this work. So you're very welcome this morning. This morning I particularly want to speak to the women in the room. However, if you're a guy in the room, I'll I'll let you listen in and you'll be able to draw some stuff. The same as when Stu gets up and he talks about men from the Bible, we all draw stuff from it. It's exactly the same. I'm getting up and talking about some of the girls from the Bible so we can all draw stuff from their lives. I'm calling this message this morning to the girls from the girls because I feel like this morning there's gifts and messages that the girls in the Bible have left for us to draw on this morning. So they've they've dotted them around the Bible for us to discover, explore, and pick up. And gifts are funny things, to be honest. Um, Sometimes you get a gift that you really want, so you unwrap it and go, oh, wow, this is lovely, exactly what I wanted Exactly what I like. This person knows me so well. Sometimes you unwrap a gift and you think, oh my, what were you thinking? Other times you unwrap it. Uh, This happened to my mum, so the iron broke about two weeks before Christmas. My stepdad thought to himself, obviously a great Christmas present. It was the worst Christmas day I have ever experienced, to be honest, because my mum opens her Christmas present and it's an iron. So it was a very useful gift, a very needed gift, but not necessarily what she wanted on Christmas morning. Gifts can be like that. So I'm putting that out there. Some of these girls, what they've got to say to us this morning, some of it will unwrap and go, oh, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I wanted, exactly what I needed. Some of it will open and go, oh, not really sure about that. And some of it will open and go, I know I need that, but it's maybe not what I particularly wanted this morning. So, so just treat it like that this morning, please. I'm going to talk to you about Eve. I'm going to talk to you about Sarah, I'm going to talk to you about Deborah, I'm going to talk to you about Mary, and I'm going to talk to you about Lydia. These are all girls that you'll find in the Bible. If you do not know your Bible and do not know their stories, that's fine. I'm going to give you a little overview. What I will say is, if you own a Bible, go away and have a look at their stories because their stories, I'm going to do little short snippets from their stories, but their stories are incredible. Sometimes their stories are incredible for what they tell us how not to live, and sometimes they're incredible for how they tell us how to live. So you can read their stories and glean such a lot from them. Um, I'm going to kick off with Eve. So when I started preparing this, I kicked off with Sarah, and, and as I was sitting down writing it, I felt God say to me, how can you miss the first woman? I was like, I don't really want to kick my message off with, okay, we'll start with the one who was deceived. I I didn't really want to kick it off like that, but I really thought I can't really start talking about girls from the Bible and not start with the first girl. Um, If it's all right, I'm going to call them girls rather than women, because that's just how I do it. So I'm not referring to them as if they're 12. I know they're grown women and Um, if you are in the room and you're older than 12 and you think, well, I'm not a girl, well, sorry. That's just how I say it, so just go with me on that. So Eve was the first woman created by God. You find her story right at the start of the Bible. So when you open up the Bible, you've got Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You find the creation story and the beginning of humankind. And that's where you find Eve's story. Eve was created by God a man to be a helper. And, and before we get a little bit offended by that, it's an honouring term, helper. It's one that is used to um, describe the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It is someone who comes alongside and gives strength and adds to a person. So if you are a woman in the room, you're a helper. doesn't mean you're a servant or a slave. It means you were made to come alongside and give strength, encouragement, make someone bigger. That that's, that's part of your role as a woman, and it's an honouring role. It's, it's amazing. Her name literally means life, or giver of life, or source of life. So she was the one that all life would spring forth from. So she was the life-giving woman, which is the irony, really, because she opened the garden door and let death in. So it's the irony of God saying, you'll be life, but actually she let death in. She walked with God. So Adam and Eve walked with God, literally in the garden, in his presence, in perfect relationship with one another, men and women, and in perfect relationship with God. At the beginning, it was exactly how it should be. No shame, no disgrace, no guilt, just walking with God and walking in harmony with one another. It's, If I'm honest, it's what all our life is driving towards, this kind of perfect unity with God and unity with men and women. It's how we were created, and yet there's this strife, and you know it, there's a strife between men and women and a strife between God and man, and all of it went wrong at the point, really, where Eve was deceived, the Bible, the Bible always holds Adam responsible for it, but actually Eve was deceived, and Eve went on to encourage her man to be deceived also. She was deceived, really, by the oldest trick in the book. She was deceived by the serpent or Satan saying to her, are you really sure that God's got the best for you? And, and that happens over and over and over again. Are you really sure God's got the best for you? Are you really sure that his plan for your life is the best, is what it should be, is all it could be? And she was deceived by that. She ate the fruit and then encouraged Adam to do likewise. Adam's fault was really he just didn't man up and say, no Eve, put the fruit down. God told us not to eat the fruit. Eve's fault was she was convinced that if she ate the fruit, which God had asked them not to eat, she would have more than she already had. She would have access to being more like God, having more knowledge, and she would be better off. The first gift, really, of this morning to us might be, it might feel like I've given you an iron this morning. You might think, well, I suppose I could do with that, but maybe not what I wanted this Mother's Day morning, maybe not what I wanted when I came to church, but her first gift is really useful. The first gift this morning is that we can be conned or deceived into thinking that God's plan for our life is not the best, that what God has for us, what he has laid out before us, is not what he honestly intended, and that if we were in charge, if we were in control, we could do better. And it's it's something we can be deceived by personally, but it's something you can be deceived by nationally. So I look around at the moment at at stuff going on in the world, and I think the world is being deceived into thinking they know better. So if you look at recent um, amendments to marriage laws, the world is being deceived into thinking they know better. And what we'll see is, is our society keep on decaying All the while we think we know more than God, we think we know better than God, we think that our plan for our life is better than God's plan for our life. So her gift to us is really a warning. Her gift to us is actually God's plan for your life. So to be in relationship with God and be in right relationship with men and women is is ultimately the best plan for your life. To know God is ultimately the best plan for your life. No matter what the rest of your life looks like, to know him is ultimately the best. What what Adam and Eve wrecked in the garden, Jesus then fixed, was this right relationship with God, this right standing with God. And it is the best. So can I say this morning, don't be deceived into thinking you can do better or the world can do better for you. The best place for you to be is right before God, walking with him, loving him, knowing him. Full stop, the end. And out of that kind of relationship, you can relate properly to men and women. You can relate properly to your kids. You can relate properly to the world around you. Girlie number two is Sarah. Her story is... is It's just brilliant. I love her story. So you'll find her story in another chunk in Genesis. So 12 to 23. I I think sometimes when we think about Sarah, we think about this quite old woman who's barren. We kind of have this image in our head. Well, I do, she's a little bit old, probably a little bit saggy, and a little bit bitter because she's not had any kids. So she's maybe, you know, she's like that. Actually, the Bible is quite clear at the beginning of her story that her name firstly means princess, But secondly, she would have been a woman who was quite beautiful and quite well sought after. So at various points in the Bible, you can see Abraham kind of offering his wife to go ahead of him to kind of smooth the way. Or At one point he says, let's pretend you're my sister so that we get favour with people because they'll all love you. They'll all think you're gorgeous, they'll all think you're radiant, they'll all think you're amazing. So it's clear that she was quite a beautiful woman, had favour with people, could be sent ahead to kind of smooth the way. It's clear that, that, in my head, this kind of older, barren, bitter woman isn't really what her story began like. Young, beautiful married to a guy called Abraham, full of promises. So God had made them outrageous promises about having kids, about possessing the land, about being the kind of you know mom and dad of the, the future generations. All these amazing promises. It was Sarah who then gave up hope on the promises and suggested to Abraham that he slept with her maidservant, to just help God out. So God obviously was being a bit slow to act. Biological clock ticking. She was thinking, okay, we have to act now. We have to help God out. We have to help God out because he's promised us a child, so we have to get it from somewhere else. So she suggested that Abraham slept with Hagar, her maidservant, and said that will be the way we'll get our child of promise. If you read the rest of the story, that is not the way they got their child of promise. This is a little aside. I'm going to step out of my notes and come back in again. Don't try and help God out when you think what he said is too much for him to handle. Go with what he said and believe him. Even if you're getting older, even if you're thinking it's been ages, go with it. Every time I've seen people try and help God out, every time I've tried to help God out, it has been a less than perfect job. It has been something that I've looked at and gone, oh, why? Oh, why did I do that? Oh, why did I attempt that? God is best left to doing the stuff that is out there and beyond us. He does not need our help or assistance. He is more than able. So if God has made you promises, go with it. Don't try and help him out. Don't try and crowbar it in. Don't try and make it happen. Go with what he has said. They eventually had three strangers visit their tent and tell them that within a year they would have a baby. At this stage, Abraham was 99 years old, and Sarah was 89 years old. Sarah laughed, and in the story, when you read the story, it's always like, Sarah laughed. I just don't know a woman who would not laugh at that. 89 years old. Like, to be honest, I'd be falling on the floor laughing if you know, I knew I could get back up again. It, it's, not, it's not necessarily the thing you're expecting at 89 years old, to be told that thing you've been waiting for all your life, when you would have been probably better off in your 30s, maybe being, having that child. In your 80s and your 90s, you're now going to have that, that child. Sarah laughed. Within a year, she was pregnant and gave birth to Isaac, their son. Isaac's name literally means laughter. And I imagine they laughed every day. I imagine every time they looked at that child, they laughed. Just pure joy at knowing God does the impossible and the crazy. I imagine all their friends had a chuckle about it. It's not, you know... Not that they lived in a retirement village, but it's not what you're expecting in a retirement village, is it? Like, they've got towards the end of their life, you know, bone's a bit creaky, and maybe, you know, thinking, well, we're probably out of here soon, and then she gets pregnant. That, I mean, if that happened today, that would be all over the papers. That would be everywhere. That would be like, it'd be one of those stories that you'd read and go, oh, like, <laughs> you know, it, it just would be everywhere. It would not be what they were expecting. She then died at 127 years old. Um, That's a good innings, isn't it? So gift number two, Sarah's gift to us is really an encouragement that it's never too late for God, that he is not running out of time, that he has not forgotten. You are not getting too old. You are not past whatever it is he's promised you. His timing is perfect and always shows himself off to be outrageously good. So if you're thinking, I'm about ready to give up on the things that God has promised me, you should get into Sarah's story. You should read it and let her story affect your life. Let it it minister to your heart. Let it speak to your faith and say, come on. God is not too late, not too slow, not too quick to act. God is always perfect in his timing. And I know things that I have longed for, When I've got them, and it's been a battle to get there, I've looked back and gone, what was I whining about? You know, like, when you've got it, when you're holding the promise, you're like, what was all that fuss about? Like, it maybe took two years, big deal. You know, it, it maybe took 10 years, it maybe took 25 years, it maybe took 50 years, big deal, it came. For Sarah, God promised her a child. What she received was that child of promise. Her gift to us is faith, and faith in a God who can do the most outrageous things. So that story would not be as outrageous if she was 50. I think the story is crazy, and it's crazy for a reason. It's there to remind us that this is how God rolls. This is what he does. He does the things that we least expect. We often say, oh, that was just at the last minute. It just got in there. And you're like, there's nothing about God that is like that. Everything he does is beautiful. Everything he does is perfect. Everything he does has brilliant timing. We just sometimes don't lack the faith or the courage to hang in there and wait for it. So I want to say to you, if you are longing for something, waiting for something, hang on in there. Because this God has perfect timing. This God does what he says he's going to do. This is my favourite. I'm going to look at Deborah. If you haven't read Deborah's story, you really should. She's found in Judges, um, Judges 4 and 5, and she's found amongst a book full of men who are judges of Israel, and you get this woman, like, slap in the middle. It's kind of like a Margaret Thatcher, just kind of like in there, and you're like, wow, what's this going to be like? Um, She was a prophetess, so it literally means she heard from God and let others know. So she heard stuff from God and said, this will happen, this is what you'll be like. She was a judge, so she would help sort out disputes, rule over things, help keep a society on the straight and narrow. That's what she did for her job. She was a counsellor. It says that she sat under a palm tree and people would go to her for wisdom. They'd go and say, this is going wrong, can you help us out? We've got this issue, can you just give us a bit of insight? She was a wife and a warrior. And I, I just love that. Like, that. To be honest, that's what I want to be. Like, I want to be a wife and a warrior. Like, I, want, I want the two. I don't want to think, while I was single, I can obviously be a warrior. When I become a wife, I need to keep home. I just think I want both. Like, I want to be a warrior and a wife. She was married to a guy called Lapidoth. We don't find out a huge amount about him or what their marriage looked like or if they had kids. That's all we know. She led alongside the captain of the army called Barak. Um, It's clear she was a strong woman. It's clear she was a woman who heard from God. That the the people who write about what's written in the Bible suggest that she was around 36 years old for most of her story. So I love her because she's around my age. I realise I'm a couple of years older than that, but I kind of think I'm still middle thirties. And She's around my age, so I love her story because I think, oh, this is the stuff that I could do. This is what's available to me. She, um, she heard from God in such a way that Barak, who, who was fearful of going out to attack um, Sisera, I think the guy was called, and his army, because they were bigger than him, stronger than him, She heard something from God, communicated it to him, and said, This is what will happen. You will go out and attack him and his army. They will be defeated. Sisera will run, he'll flee like a coward. He will then die with a tent peg being shoved through his temple. And then you read the story and that's exactly what happened. What she did is she said to Barak, you do not need to fear because God is with you and you will have victory. What he then did is acted out the back of that. She heard from God, she communicated courage, she said, I'll go with you. He then rose up and became the man he should have always been. That In the best possible way is when the prophetic is at its most beautiful. When you communicate something and someone becomes exactly who they should have always been. Because they suddenly have a surge of faith and they think, oh, I could be more than I am because God is with me, because God has spoken. The prophetic should always have that kind of effect. And sometimes it is a kind of shove, and sometimes, I've had this, it's more like a kick up the pants, and you're like, whoa. And the prophetic can work like that. It should always propel us forward. It should always make us bigger. It doesn't actually matter if sometimes it makes us bigger because it cuffs us. What matters is it makes us bigger. It should never make us smaller. It should never make us feel less. It should always make us feel bigger. Deborah used that gift amazingly. She used it to bring counsel to people. She used it to give courage to people. She used it to sort out stuff. She used it to judge and rule. She used that gift amazingly. So her gift to us is that being able to hear from God is amazing. By far the most amazing gift I believe we can have from all the gifts that God says, being able to hear God and communicate that in some way is amazing. And you can use it everywhere. The prophetic is not just, I come up the front and share a bit and we all go away feeling courage. The prophetic breathes life. It makes people bigger. If you put it alongside people, they they then can run. And I've seen it over and over again cause people to do the most outrageous things because God has said. So if I'm honest, when I look around this room, I see people who left jobs, homes, families to come here and start a church because God said, it's an outrageous gift. It makes you give up things that you never thought you would give up because God has said It gives you courage beyond what you think in the natural you could ever do. Her gift to us is that we should learn to hear the voice of God and bolt it alongside people and make them bigger and make them stronger. Particularly, I think, when this church appoints elders, the prophetic becomes an amazing gift that you can bolt alongside leaders and give courage and strength and say, come on, particularly when we're looking at advancing into Sutton, Coalfield, Birmingham, when we're wanting to grow, when we're wanting to change, when we're wanting to help people. The prophetic becomes such a powerful gift. So I want to hold that up and say, if you do not know how to hear from God, ask me how. If you would like to get around people who know how to hear from God and have a bit of help in it, ask me who. The gift is, is brilliant. She basically, I feel like, um, Deborah is the introduction of girl power. Like she really just, she's like a judge, a prophet, a warrior, a wife. She's like out there. Ultimate Spice Girl is what I'm having for Deborah. Mary, Mary is all over the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus, Mary's all over them. Probably because she's Jesus's mum. So that would make sense. In our kind of churches. I firmly believe this. We sometimes don't know what to do with Mary because I think she's been so highly exalted in the Catholic Church, it then makes us a little bit fearful. And I think you can swing so far the other way that you almost ignore this woman. And and I think both is a dishonour. I think we need to meet somewhere in the middle where we recognise this young woman did this extraordinary thing. It's an extraordinary thing to become a mum. Full stop the end. It's extraordinary what it does to your body. Like, sometimes with Levi, we're chatting, and I say, I grew you. And he laughs, and he says, no, you didn't, mummy. I say, I did. Like, it's extraordinary. Like, when you look around, you, it's extraordinary just to become a mum. To become the mum of God is like on a whole other level. If I think my days are hard, I just think, oh, my gosh. Like, I got trusted with two little boys. Can you imagine being trusted with the son of God? i oh, oh. yeah, that's just out there. She was a young woman, probably around 16 years old, when God spoke to her and said, I'd like you to carry my son. She came from Nazareth. The Bible says, can anything good come out of there? It would appear it's a bit of a hole, the kind of place where you just don't want to go, don't want to live. She was a virgin, not married yet, but God told her you'll have a baby by the Holy Spirit. He'll overshadow you. And, and you can look at that and think, what? I tell you what, just having a baby all by itself is miraculous. You, you just don't even know how, how that all works and happens. It's just outrageous. And I think, well, if me and Stuart can manage to sort that out, I'm pretty sure that God could manage to sort out a miraculous birth. I'm pretty sure he could do that. If he could put us together, if he could make it possible that between us we could grow someone, if he could grow a person in me, I'm pretty sure that he could do that one. So, sometimes it's not about understanding the story, it's about understanding who God is. So, people argue over the creation story and say, seven days, and I just think, man, he's God. Like, if he wanted to make it in seven days, of course. I, I don't necessarily need to research everything around creation. I need to know God. When I know who God is, the impossible just seems possible. It's like, well, yeah, of course. He's God. Blind people say, well, yeah, of course. He made eyes. So, of course, he can make them see. it's, It's about knowing God. In this story, it's about knowing who God is. So, she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Angel Gabriel spoke to her and said, you will have this child... It's interesting, Mary's response. She's like, all right then. And I think teenagers are really like that. I think they're like, oh yeah, all right then. There's something about children that is very much like, oh yeah, all right then. I said to Levi the other day, we we saw a police car and he was chatting about policemen. He said something along the lines of, um, I'll be a policeman. We we were talking about when he gets old. He said, I'll be a policeman. I said, oh will you? He said, yep. And I said, why do you want to be a police officer? He said, I drive a police car. And he's just very like, he's like, well, yeah, that's what I'll do. He's very matter-of-fact, he doesn't need to think about it, he's three. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what I'll do. Kids are like that. Young adults are like that. They're very much like, yeah, all right, then. Mary approaches. God said, you'll have a baby by the Holy Spirit. She'd have faced certain death in her society. Certainly not ended up with a husband, or, like, she would have been in trouble. She's like, okay, let it be to me, as you've said. All right, then. I just think that line's amazing. And I think it's one reason why I think we need to trust the young is because often when you're young, you're you're in that place where you're like, all right, then. So the kids out there, we read them outrageous stories about what Jesus can do, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And kids will often say things like, I've hurt myself, you pray for me, and I'll be better. Because they don't have major hang-ups they've not, had, they've not prayed for 25 people who didn't get well they've not seen people go through excruciating, patterns. they don't have all of those hang-ups, they're like alright then, it's partly why I love to work with children and young people there's a naivety, there's a all right then, the Bible says that, I'll do that so I remember reading outrageous stories of kids in revivals praying for things that are just like out of this world that I think, oh my gosh, I would have Wanted to pass out if I'd have had to have prayed for that. I'm like, all right, then yet yeah, Jesus healed them. And seeing the most outrageous things because they're young, and they've not got the same sort of hang-ups. She married Joseph, and together they raised God. Together they raised literally God as man on the earth. If Mary's story does not <laughs> blow you away, go and read about it again. Oh, it's lovely. She was Jewish and she loved God. She met Angel Gabriel. It sounds like she was interviewed by Luke, who ended up writing the book of Luke. So lots of how he communicates the story suggests that he needed to have someone on the inner circle and probably Mary. So lots of commentators think that she was interviewed and lots of her story appears in the Gospel of Luke. Her gift to us is simple, really. She was literally home to the presence of God at a really young age. Her gift to us is do not discount the young. Do not discount your children, our children, our teenagers, our 20s. Do not think to yourself they are not old enough, wise enough, mature enough. You see, those reasons are exactly the reasons God uses them. They don't think too much of themselves yet. They don't think they've got it all in wisdom, maturity and understanding. They're pretty aware that they're fairly silly. They're pretty aware that they don't have the experiences the rest of us have. It makes them really soft and really easy for God to use. And it does not at all surprise me that throughout the Bible you can see God using the types of people who are either not ready, unskilled, not prepared, too young. And you go through the Bible and go... Over and over again, it's all the people you and I would never pick. I would love us to be a place where all the time we're saying to our kids, our teens, our 20s, you can. You can do this. Where all the time they're telling us, I've got this dream, I've got this vision, and we're saying, yes, do it. If they're saying, I believe I'm going to live in a revival, we're we're not sitting them down and trying to help them see sense. Say, well, that's highly unlikely, the probability of that. It's been 100 years since the luck. We're not those people. We're the people saying, yes, yes, yes. And we're the people training them. We're the people investing in them. We've got our best out in kids' work, our best out in youth' work, because we see it as very important that we make sure we grow and develop some Marys. So I would say, if you're in this room and you're in your teens and 20s, just wave at me. Liar at the back there. I know you're not. Lovely. I want to encourage you that if God speaks to you, if God asks you to do stuff, to say yes, to be like Mary and say, All right, then, what have we got to lose? I want to encourage you to invest in our kids. At the moment, we have been given a stack load of kids. I do not ever want to see that as out-the-back work that's slightly demeaning and a bit rubbish in comparison to what goes on in here. They matter to God and they matter to us. If we invest in them and, and help them and encourage them to be all that God wants them to be, I just think we'll end up with Mary types. We'll end up with people doing the most outrageous things that we can just cheer if God has said to you stuff that you think that is so out there and so big, remind yourself that Mary also had that. And Mary, Mary took it on and was like, all right then. It doesn't appear like she made a big deal about it. All it appears like she did was like, okay, let's do this. And she just went with it. Lastly then, Lydia. Lydia's found in Acts 16. You, if you don't know your Bible that well, you might not have even heard of her. Um, she's a little story in the middle of the book of Acts. She was the first recorded Christian by name to come to Jesus. And I just love, more often than not, through the Gospels and the book of Acts, you've got mentions of women's names where you think, at the time, it wouldn't have even been considered that was a valid testimony So the first people to find Jesus, risen from the dead, women, their their testimony wouldn't have even been valid. The first recorded person who commits her life to Jesus, a woman. She'd gone around telling her stories and lots of people have been like, well, you're a woman. You know, I just think that's amazing. It it gives honor. Um, it, it, It kind of communicates that whatever the world says about men and women, God Says something completely different, and it, it brings an honour. And I think her story brings an honour. She, we don't really know loads about her, so it's likely she was Greek, living in a Roman settlement. She was definitely a businesswoman. It says she was a seller of purple cloth, um, so she definitely was in business. It looks like she was a widow. Um, she was wealthy, hospitable. She had a large family and a large household. Uh, She was a Gentile but had an interest or a softness or an openness to Christianity. Um, She committed her life to Jesus. And then it says, in just one throwaway line, her and her whole household came to know Jesus. Staggering. So she committed her life to Jesus. The knock-on effect was her entire household. We're talking about her family and we're talking about all the people who worked for her in her home committed their life to Jesus it's what I pray over my family all the time so some of my family are saved and some of them not it's what I pray all the time I'm like God come on my household get the whole lot get the people who are related to me the people who are involved with me just have them all bring them into relationship with you the last gift is um it's really simple you can really have it all so Lydia had it all. She was a businesswoman. She was wealthy. She was hospitable. It looks like she had a family of some description. She she had the whole package. She had she had influence. She had she just had loads of stuff going on. And in the midst of that, she met God. So she then has she just just has a whole heap of stuff. I think her story. And if you read Proverbs 31, the wife in there. Their stories, I believe, are there to stir us to go for more. To stir us to, to not think, well, if I'm doing this, I can't possibly do this. So when I became a mummy, one of the things that I... There were so many things that I just thought, I do not want to stop doing this, this and this because I'm doing this. I somehow want to be able to do it all. Hands on heart, honestly, some weeks that works and other weeks it does not. Um, sometimes we get the balance right, sometimes we get it horribly wrong. Uh, usually I know when we've got it wrong because my boys are just like all over the shop. What we both said we wanted, do, and I, if we were to have kids, we wanted them to be caught up in an adventure. We wanted them to be caught up in the purposes of God. I didn't want to pause and be like, now I'm having children and then I'll get back to the purposes of God. We wanted to whisk them up in it. Sometimes that is easy, and sometimes that is about the hardest thing we've both ever done. But we wanted to say to God, we just want it all. We want a decent marriage. Like, quite frankly, I'm just tired of marriages not looking like they should look. I just think we want that. As a local church, we want to be able to say, get to know God, like, have a decent marriage, have decent families, like, like do this stuff well. And we want to be the voices saying, let's do it well. And we want to be showing people how to do it well. So we were like, we want a decent marriage. We want a decent sex life. No excuses. We want to read our Bibles. I don't want to be the kind of mum who's like, my Bible, where the heck is that? I want to be the kind of mum who's like, oh yeah, like we have our Bible out, we're reading. I don't always get that right. You ask Phil, we chat to each other about how we're doing. I don't always get that right, but I want it. And I want to go after it. Lydia's story gives us courage. Still want to be hospitable. Still want to open up my home, even if there are Cheerios everywhere. Still want to be able to have people around for food, even if the budget's tight. Still want to be able to serve in local church, even though some weeks I, just feel like I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, there's two boys here, there's this there, there's that there, and wow! Still want to be able to do it. Still want to be able to be a good friend, be influential. Still want to be able to use my gifts even if I, I need to prophesy with one child hanging off my leg and the other one grabbing the microphone, trying to sing into it while I'm saying something. I still want to be able to. And I think what Lydia's story does is it just says you can. It says you can, you can have more than you ever thought was possible. And what I've noticed in women is a capacity for more. So I've noticed women who can cope with more than they would have ever thought possible. Who can cope with kids that are sick in a way that if you'd have told them that before they had kids, they would have said, No way would I ever be able to do that. And yet, suddenly, there's a capacity. Be able to cope with lack of sleep, suddenly, there's a capacity. So, if someone had said to me, For three years, you won't sleep properly. <laughs> I would have cried, I would have literally crumpled on the ground and cried. And then you find yourself in it. I've seen women in the workplace who've been given too much or they've been asked too much of them, There, but I've seen them, their capacity just grow and go, all right then. And it seems like women have this ability to just be quite elastic to just kind of grow. I've seen women with a capacity to love the poor like nothing else. seems like their hearts have this capacity to just kind of expand in ways that I know is God-given. I've seen women cope with teenagers who just throw it all back in your face and yet they love. I have seen the most selfless love from some of the women around me a capacity to just love beyond what is reasonable, beyond what you think you ever could do. I think Lydia's story is an encouragement to us that we can probably cope with way more than we ever thought in our workplaces, in our homes, in our personal lives, that we probably have within us the the capacity for more, that you probably have within you the capacity for more. And I'm not suggesting that you all go out and search for more things to do and get yourself manic. I think the things that God places in front of you, you should grab Lydia's story and think, okay, God, I'm going to believe you, that I can do these things. Even though they feel like they stretch me to the point of breaking, I'm going to believe you that I can, that I have the capacity to love, care, that I have the capacity to look after like there's something in a woman, and and a, that has the capacity to look after, to pastor, to care for people like nothing else. It, it, these are all amazing God-given things, and there is there is more, there is further that we can go in that capacity. And I think you have to trust a God that will not break you, but He is a God that will take you to to the limits and be bigger than than you could ever dare to be on your own and he does it for your good and for your benefit it's yeah, it's beautiful so the girls this morning don't be deceived, Eve's story is easy, don't be deceived into thinking you know better than God don't be deceived that what you think is best for your life is better than what God thinks is best for your life, I'll I'll lay it on the line again what's best for your life is that you know God that you're in relationship with him and everything else flows out of that. Until you know God, until you have your your heart set on him, you'll struggle to do your life well. And that doesn't mean that when you get to know God, everything's perfect. Right? Like, look at our lives. Not everything's perfect. What it means is you do it with God and you do it out of God. Sarah, her gift to us is crazy faith. Like, like the most outrageous stuff just, oh, breathtaking Deborah, her gift to us is girl power, like that you can use some of the power gifts to bolt alongside people and I have literally seen young women that I've worked alongside grow into beautiful women of God because you've bolted alongside faith and the prophetic and they have believed what God has said about their life And they've gone, all right then. And I have literally seen them fly. It's just gorgeous. Like, I thoroughly recommend using the prophetic gift to help people rise. Mary, a gift to us is, let's not limit the young in this place. Let's not limit ourselves if we're young. Let's not say, oh, maybe I can do that when I'm older and wiser. Let's trust that if God has asked us to do something, that he knows how old we are, that he knows how old they are. And then Lydia, let's let's go for it all. Ladies in this church, girlies in this church, let's go for it all. If God has said to you, I want you to be a mum, I want you to be a wife, I want you to stay single, I'll, let's do it to the max capacity and let's go a little bit beyond it. If God puts people in front of us that we just think, I know I'm supposed to love you, care for you, help you, let's do it. If God prompts you, let's do it. Let's instead of going, oh, let's just go with it and think, well, okay, God, if we're going to do this, you have to expand me. And let's watch Him expand us and grow us. So if you're female in the room, I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand. I want to put a little caveat. If you do not want to be prayed for, and no one's going to come and lay hands on you, I'm going to pray for you. If you do not want to be prayed for, and you would just like to watch and observe what's going on, sit still and watch and observe what's going on. Nobody in this place wants you to feel uncomfortable, least of all me, but I would say least of all God. If you would like to be prayed for, I'm just going to do it from the front. If you don't mind God speaking to you or blessing you, Just stand up if you would like to watch. I spent months when I first started going to church watching. If you want to watch, that's fine. I watched for ages. I wanted to know what was going on. I didn't want to be pushed into something. That's fine. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you're a girly and you wouldn't mind being prayed for this morning. And I'm just going to pray for you. (coughs) Yeah, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I just want to pray um, for the girls this morning. I just want to pray that that which you have put inside of us, um, we would have courage mixed with faith, mixed with the prophetic, and we would be the kind of women that you've called us to be that there would be a total freedom in this place, not for competition or comparing, but to be ourselves full of a powerful, amazing, mighty God. That there would be a freedom, that there would be a releasing, that there would be proper honouring relationships between us and the guys here and us and you that there would be something on us to raise the young, to invest in people, to pastor people, to draw people out, to say the tough stuff, to, to do all that you've got for us, Jesus. And I know in this room that you've got Sarah's, I know you've got Lydia's, I know you've got Deborah's, I know you've got Mary's, I know you've got things that you want to draw out of people, encourage people into, challenge people about. So I just want to say, Jesus, do your work here. Speak into hearts, speak into minds. Help us to read our Bibles and just glean gifts, treasures out of it. Help us to learn from women who have been before us. Help us to learn from one another. Help us to encourage one another, stir one another. Help us to be a blessing. Jesus, ultimately, help us just love you. Uh, Like Mary loved you. With a simple yet complex faith with a with a heart that just says all right god we'll we'll go with you we'll do what you've asked with songs that come out of us and worship that comes out of us because we just love you help us in the workplace in the home to be to be yours I feel like if you're in the workplace, I feel like um, God would remind you that you are just as much his there. So sometimes you can feel like you belong to the work or they are in charge or they are in control. I feel like he would remind you you are just as much his and you are just as much about his work. And he is just as much in control and just as much on your case and just as much enabling you. That his plans and purposes are, are large. They're, they're in the home and they're in the workplace. They're, they're in raising a family. They're in marriage. They're in being single. They're in being without kids. They are, they're huge, his plans and purposes, are not limited to one area. who are starting to give up on the things that God has got for them. I pray for courage to keep going, to keep going after it. There will without a doubt be people who are laughing at what God has said because it just seems too much. I I pray for you that you'll see it with your own eyes. And there will without a doubt be people in here who've not got their relationship with God sorted out. And and I pray for you to get that sorted. Just come and ask me or come and ask one of the others who you know. Preferably pick someone who's got theirs sorted out. And I pray for you to be blessed today. For you to be blessed on a day that honors mums I think being a mum like covers such a massive amount of stuff, you can have literal children there can be kids that you invest in, it, like I've spent my life being a mummy to be honest, done kids work youth work, hugged other people's kids pastor people in life groups, like I became a physical mum at some point but actually I, like, I've used that mummy gift for years and so I pray for us to be women that invest in people nurture people draw people out bring people on give courage give correction give example on this day to be reminded that that we have greater capacity to do good than we ever dream possible that we have greater capacity to influence than we, than we ever dream possible that if we go with God we can see amazing things and so I pray us to see those things. Jesus, Jesus. I feel like if you're a mummy, you should just stretch your arms out now to God. And so this, these are physical mummies. And I feel like if you want to be a mummy, you should do likewise. I feel like God just wants to deposit something on you. Um... like he wants to draw something out of you that he's placed in you to to be a mum and I think sometimes it can be one of the most soul-destroying jobs and one of the most rewarding and regardless I think God wants to come and minister I think it's lovely to be a mummy and yet I know that that I've used the mummy gift for years I watch watch Ben and Charlotte sometimes, and you'll know this if you've got young kids. Ben and Charlotte will often be picking up your kids, hugging them, playing with them, and I watch them practising their mummy-daddy gifts. And I see see many of you doing that, and I think, keep practising. I'm going to let the kids come back in, but just stay where you are. They'll just come and be around. So I want to pray now for you to just know the Holy Spirit and what you do. When it's really lovely and you're like, man, this is awesome, and when it's really tough, I want to pray for you to know the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for your hearts to grow in ways you never even dreamt possible. I want to pray for God to be on you as you practice I think God loves the faith that is communicated when you start practising things that are for your future. I think God loves that kind of a faith. I want to pray for God to be on you. I feel like God is just coming round and just dropping some things in that you need. Um, I feel like, like just they look like to me like Lauren's got this gorgeous kind of bangle on with chunky beads on it. I feel like that God's just dropping round these kind of chunky beads and saying, "Here, put this on." So I felt like Bev, God, God um, has got for you huh, just just it's a bracelet that looks like grace. And it's just like, here, I have some of this on me, and it's not over the top. It's not. It is. It, it's, it's sitting on your arm, and it is just there. And I feel like God is going to say, "I'm going to constantly remind you of my grace being sufficient for you." And it'll be like, you know, if you wear a wedding ring or you wear a certain piece of jewellery, if you're not wearing it, you can really feel it. You think, oh, that feels weird. So this morning I forgot to put my wedding ring back on. And it just feels odd. It'll be like that, Bev. You'll be able to know it's there and you'll be able to know when it's not. Jesus, Jesus. Huh. We're going to worship a bit and there'll be some more time for the prophetic. Ladies, on the back table over there, there is pink wine, a galaxy, and a ripple. They are for you to take home and have a little sip of and a little chomp on. I've realised that there are some pregnant girlies in the room. Take it home and save it, all right? Eat the chocolate. But go and grab some pink wine, but actually, maybe some of the guys could go and grab some pink wine. They get pink wine, a bar of galaxy and a ripple. Just grab some and hand them out to the girls. Just bless whoever you give them to. Let's make sure every girl in the room has got chocolate and wine. As far as I'm concerned, that's about all you need in life. <laughs> Jesus chocolate wine. Be blessed today.